Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Anoush. And on today's New Statesman podcast, we have a special interview with Andy Zaltzman, the stand-up comedian and broadcaster. You'll know him from presenting the Radio 4 show The News Quiz or The Bugle, the weekly satirical podcast. He's written on a number of political comedies and he's also a massive cricket fan, having written extensively on cricket stats and provided some expert commentary for BBC Test Match Special. Hi, Andy. Thanks so much for joining us. Obviously, this is the New Statesman podcast, so we want to talk mainly politics. Um, You've been satirising politics since the height of New Labour. I just wondered, have you found it easier or harder to find the humour since then? It's really varied, uh, to be honest. Doing political comedy in the last, certainly the last two years, really the last five or six, has felt that it's there's a sort of repetitive element to it and that the, the, the news has not changed a great deal so one of the great challenges is to try and find fresh angles on things fresh ways of looking at politics but it has unquestionably i think challenged political comedians all around the world really with trump in america when yeah the whole world became comedians the challenge of finding interesting ways of addressing it and relevant ways of addressing the most important parts of what he represented brexit here obviously has been certainly for three or four years just totally dominant as a as an issue and obviously it was divisive so it was a certainly a comedic challenge to keep it fresh and interesting and hopefully insightful and then yes covid has just been it's such a curious it's a difficult thing i think comedically uh, from a political point of view because there are so many things that we don't know yet about it, even now, in terms of what has been the right and wrong ways to deal with things, and mm. whether we ever know that, I'm not not, not entirely sure. But yes, the just repetitive nature of news, I think, has been the sort of biggest challenge, rather than necessarily the the political persuasion of who's been in power. Yeah, because when when I tell people who I've not met before that I write about politics, they sometimes say things like, "Oh, this is obviously a gift for you," either talking about Boris Johnson or maybe the the Brexit wars back in the day, or even the coalition, which was a novelty in its time. And I wonder whether do people say the same thing to you about being a, a satirist? And do do you agree that it's a gift, or do you think, like you say, you've found it challenging? It's a bit of both, really. It is a, a gift in a way, but it's not necessarily a gift you want to have. And <laughs> just on you know on Trump particularly and i think social media has changed this we have it's opened up the platform for everyone with the internet to produce jokes and them in many different forms and so it's a greater challenge to come up with something original when with with trump 
in particular because he was such an inherently sort of comic figure in how he behaved and, and what he said. Actually, you know, from a satirical point of view, to get to what is really relevant about him, you had to almost try and ignore the nonsense that, that came with him. I found myself, the, the, the only way I found of doing something that I was fairly convinced was definitely original about Donald Trump and no one else was doing was uh, my stand-up shows. I printed out a 3D copy of his brain and unveiled it as a cauliflower on a tripod and then stuck <laughs> probes into it to try and change his brain and then made his disembodied brain talk about pre-war cricketers using <laughs> chopped up footage of him speaking. I was pretty convinced no one else was doing that. But that, that was the extent <laughs> I had to go to. I don't think anyone else had Trump talking about uh, Don Bradman. But, and it, with, you know, with Brexit and, and COVID as sort of big social political issues, it's uh, been the same, that everyone is doing comedy about it. So you have to keep searching for, for new fresh ways of doing it and fresh angles. And some people have gone the other way, actually, haven't they? Comedians who have said this is far too serious to to mock. And one of Labour's lines, actually, about Boris Johnson is the joke isn't funny anymore. And I wonder whether you've ever grappled with that morally. Have you ever thought, actually, making a joke about Donald Trump with a vegetable, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Maybe this is the death <laughs> of democracy. Or Yeah, but I, th I think that's the joy of comedy, really. You can make obliquely very serious points in a very ridiculous way. And that's often you know how the best satirical comedy works um i think and i don't think obviously comedy comes in many forms we tend to lump it all together in a way that you wouldn't lump music together uh, and you know compare dance music with chamber music or whatever but so comedy can it doesn't need to be political but if you are doing political comedy there isn't there, there shouldn't be any issues that you shy away from um at all i think uh, obviously there's ways of treating them that you you know I ideally want to do it sensitively and there's certain issues that need more background research and but no I don't think there's anything that that is oh, too bleak for satirical comedy but the, the challenge is to make it funny in the first instance and then any satirical point hopefully emerges from within the comedy rather than making a point and then a joke ideally you want them to be merged together. Yeah, and, and in your tour, actually, your audience gets to suggest topics for you to riff on. And I wonder, that, that's almost like a Wild West, isn't it? Is there anything that you pray doesn't come up or, or do you like uh, having that random raw material? I really enjoy having the, the randomness of it. So it's, yes, it's called Satirist for Hire and I encourage yeah. people who are coming to email in advance. But then I also take orders at the start of the show, either when people are coming in or when they're, they're sitting down just before the beginning of the show and, and try and um, come up with a few sort of off-the-cuff uh, responses to that. When, when I've been doing the show sort of on and off for, for a while now, and I thought initially it would be mostly politics, but actually most of the things people <laughs> send in are fairly ridiculous. And so the, the show has quite a nice sort of inbuilt balance that there will be people asking about the big issues of the time, whether specifically topical issues or the more kind of broad, long-running issues. But then there will also be stuff about sport. I generally get a few questions about cricket due to my, my parallel life as a cricket statistician and just nonsense about when someone asked me to satirise every single Pokemon at a gig there's <laughs> 700 and something so there's and it's quite nice to have that in 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 political comedy to be able to leaven what might be quite the sort of more serious stuff with uh, m more absurdity so it's a fun show to do and one of the challenges is to try to come up with something on 
whatever range of topics is sent in. So yeah, it's, uh, and the audience seems to quite enjoy the interactive element of it, and it gets quite conversational. And if someone sent in an email, I'll ask them questions about why they've asked it, and so some of the, the humour of the comedy of the gig comes from that interaction. Yeah, it's a, and it means that I can sort of bal- you know, like I say, balance the show with a range of of issues, serious and less so. And do you feel that there's higher stakes to doing those kind of shows now? There are some comedians who now say that there are things that they feel that they can't joke about, for example. I think Ricky Gervais has said recently that The Office wouldn't get made now. And and obviously there's been recent comments by high profile comedians that have been that have caused a scandal. Do, Do you worry about that at all? Does that feature into your thinking? It doesn't feature a great deal. I've never been a particularly sort of confrontational comedian or I've never well, I hope I've not used offense as a as an easy comedic tool there's ways that you can do very challenging topics without being offensive about them and I think that again that's one of the challenges and I think as long as you've thought through what you're saying and are prepared to stand by it then yeah I, I don't think comedians should feel restricted by what they assume people will will think about it and obviously you know you're when you've said something and put it out in the public domain, you're then accountable for it. But I, I guess that's always been the way. It's just more picked up on now with social media. But if you thought through your jokes and you know, how people will respond to them, inevitably some people may take offence to something and other people won't. And I, I think, you know, but, but once you've been doing comedy a while, you know what those sorts of routines are and you make the decision whether you're prepared to do it and accept that some people might be offended by it, even if it's not your intention as a comedian to cause that offence, it's uh, once you've said it, it's slightly out of your control. But mm. you know, we talk about ownership of things. And when you put a joke out in the public domain, then that's it's your decision to do that. And hopefully you'll be have enough faith in the material to withstand whatever reactions are made to it. Okay. So, so it was ever thus, really, or are the sort of rules different now, do you think, as having done well, com- think, comedy for such a long time? I think what's maybe slightly different is the fact that sort of everything can end up published mm. in terms of being put on social media. And there's many different ways of doing comedy. I mean, so with Jimmy Carr's recent, his entire career, he's used that sort of that tool in his bag of doing stuff that you know, is awkward and sounds offensive. In quite a safe way, really. I don't think he's necessarily challenging perceptions. And inevitably, there'll be times when people find it offensive. And that would have been the case when he was doing open mic spots 20 plus years ago. But uh, there was no social media in those days. So it's, it's just part of comedy and probably always has been since the first time people were telling jokes. But the, the, I guess the nature of public discourse has, has um, changed it a bit. But you know, at the, at the same time, well, I think we're still pretty much free to talk about whatever we want in whatever way we want in this country, certainly. And you've been involved with a number of Radio 4 shows and you're currently presenting the news quiz. And I wonder what you made of the comments of Tim Davey when he took over as Director General, saying he wanted to tackle the perceived left-wing comedy bias at the BBC. What did you make of those comments? I don't know, really. There's, um, it's a, it is a constant challenge in... And the BBC is a different organisation to pretty much any other in terms of media in general and, and comedy, that there is a sense that, that it needs to try to achieve some level of balance. The question is, what is balanced in comedy? And it's quite hard to define that. And inevitably, in political comedy and topical comedy, the vast majority of stories about politics will be about whichever party is in power. And so you're essentially dealing with the government because 
it's more interesting to do comedy about things that have happened rather than someone the opposition which is more about things they say they will do in a hypothetical future so inevitably there will be more comedy about the conservatives than labor when the conservatives are in power and i'm sure if you went back and listened to radio shows from the the 2000s when labor was in power there would have been a lot more about labor than the conservatives i guess political comedy by its nature tends to be anti-establishment more than anything so again it depends who is the establishment at, at the time but it's certainly you know i understand the, the bbc need to try to, to strive for some kind of balance and fairness in how it treats things but i think that how you achieve that is quite hard to, to define and from my point of view, I just try to make sure that whatever subject we're doing on the news quiz, I've tried to r- research it and make sure that I've that I think whatever the jokes are, are valid and relevant, and whatever satirical points are being made, whether directly or obliquely, are justified. Which mm. is so. But I've I've been doing the news quiz now for I'm in my fifth series as host, and I've not had any interference at any point. Any any sort of you know, executives telling me to not do certain topics or certain treatments. We try to make sure over the course of a series we have a balance of panellists. But at the moment, obviously, the majority of the comedy will be about Johnson and the Conservatives because they're the ones doing stuff. Mm, yeah, and we've had a Conservative-led government since 2010, so it's been quite a while. <laughs> yes. Hello, it's Alva here. This is just a reminder that as a podcast listener you have the option of subscribing to The New Statesman with a very special offer. At the moment, you can subscribe from £1 a week. That's 12 weeks for £12. If you go to www.newstatesman.com forward slash podcast offer. From the New Statesman World Review comes France Elects, a special podcast series exploring the main candidates and the big issues shaping the campaign to be France's next president. I'm Ido Vok, and over the next two months, I'll be joined by special guests to dissect incumbent Emmanuel Macron's record, his rivals to the right and left, and key issues such as foreign policy and the climate. Just search World Review on Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. And you must have come across a few politicians in your time. I just wonder, have you ever had a chance to bond with Theresa May over your love of cricket? <laughs> <laughs> no, I've not met Theresa May. I've not met that many politicians. But no, I think, and you know, I guess that's one of the joys of sports is you can lay aside <laughs> everything else and live in this entire kind of fictitious parallel universe, which is why I think it's proved so popular for so, 
such a long time. You can, it is your everyone's escape from reality. And another parallel, you, you did classics at Oxford, as did yes. a certain Boris Johnson. And I just wondered, <laughs> he brings it a lot into at least his rhetoric. And I wonder, do you bring it into your work at all today? And also, do you relate at all? to uh, his his proclamations i guess to boris johnson in the sense that i know that if you've had the kind of educational background and work experience background that both he and i have had there's absolutely no way you should be prime minister and yeah i'm aware of that <laughs> for me he appears to have been unaware of it other than that yeah i think there's a time when that's bad advice in terms of using sort of classics the ancient world in comedy it's not so much using the the language which can erect a an instant barrier with an audience but i did study ancient greek comedy as part of my degree and it was uh, absolutely fascinating the plays of aristophanes uh, which were performed in front of all social strata albeit only men um, mm. in ancient athens but it had to appeal to the illiterate uneducated right up to the the political and social elite so it's a, it was an extraordinary combination of Kind of li- quite edgy political satire, a quite direct political satire, often about politicians who would have been sitting in the audience watching it, uh, literary parody, slapstick, surrealism, and jokes about people wetting themselves and farting. <laughs> it's it's it works on an almost infinite number <laughs> of comedic levels. So that was you know, I, I, you know, I did necessarily say in stand-ups obviously a bit different but it was really interesting seeing the structures of comedy were essentially the same in 400 bc in athens as they are now and most jokes you see now there was some version or other that made people laugh almost two and a half thousand years ago and i, I, I on holiday with my wife in athens years ago we saw a, a production of an Aristophanes play in the ancient Roman theatre on the side of the Acropolis, a few hundred yards away from where it would have first been performed almost two and a half thousand years ago. In, and it was performed in modern Greek. And you know, I don't understand modern Greek, but <laughs> it was just quite inspirational to see jokes from that long ago still making people laugh. Mm. And although I've not really applied my degree in my working life and <laughs> didn't work massively hard as a student, <laughs> that, that aspect of it, I think, did has been a little bit of an influence on my career. So maybe I've used my degree uh, more beneficially than Boris Johnson has used his. <laughs> <laughs> and and it, is, it has been a sort of good time for political comedy or comedy in general in the UK recent, recently. And I just wondered if you have anything that you watch or read or listen to that you can recommend to our listeners? To be honest, I spend so much of my time writing and and recording, doing the the news quiz and the the Bugle podcast that I've been doing for 15 years. I don't tend to watch that that much else. Obviously, I used to work with John Oliver for years and Mm. his show last week tonight and still sets a standard, I think, for political comedy in terms of its ambition and its sort of journalistic rigour. And we did the bugle together for about eight, eight or nine years before he he, he uh, no longer had time for it. Yeah, it's been great sort of seeing his his success in America, and I think that's that that level of political comedy that you know came through the Daily Show, where John John joined in two thousand and six, John Stewart show that sort of has set a bar, I think, for political comedy on uh, that's probably raised standards around the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and how do you feel about getting back on stage? Obviously, some people might not have been to a theatre for. For two years. Uh, Are you worried that the audience is suddenly going to be sort of rabid and unleashed? (laughs) (laughs) Rabid and unleashed probably sounds quite fun for a comedy gig. It'll be interesting. Uh, I've done very little live work since the before times. I did a done a couple of live podcast shows in the last six months. I did a couple of stand up gigs in Australia when I was out there uh, working on the the ashes with Test Match Special. But 
yeah, this is my first stand-up in in the UK for over two years. So the audience may be rusty, I may be rusty. Hopefully, we can sh- share our journey back to uh, hopefully happier times. Brilliant. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for joining us on the New Statesman podcast and good luck with the tour. And for listeners who are interested, his tour is Satirist for Hire, a semi-improvised show where the audience suggests topics to be satirised live on stage. The current tour will run from 25th of February until the 27th of March. And there'll also be a run in May at the Soho Theatre. Tickets are available on his website, www.andyzaltzman.co.uk. You've been listening to the New Statesman podcast with me, Anoush Shkelian, and my special guest, Andy Zaltzman. We're produced by Adrian Bradley, and our music is Devil with the Devil, licensed under Creative Commons. Thanks so much for listening, and don't forget to subscribe. Cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.